0: What is your name, sir? My name is David Moser. My Chinese name is Muo Dawei. How could I don't know you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You are so famous in this country,
0: my goodness. I thought nothing could be more important than to sort of uh, be the first contact for these young people to give them an overview of what's important about China, what's amazing about China, and why China should be in your future. That was my goal. I really cherish the role of being a bridge, bridge between those students and this country. And uh, I just love doing that. I I also love teaching the Chinese students, which I did for a decade. They were so great, but I would usually learn more from them than they learned from me, (laughs) because they know a lot.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Manling in Beijing. My guest today is David Mosa, The associate dean of the Yenching Academy at Peking University. The master's program in China Studies aims to bring together elite students from China and the rest of the world. David can speak fluent Chinese. He is a frequent speaker on radio and TV shows, often commenting on China and international affairs. But perhaps. Members of the younger generation don't know that this American scholar used to enjoy celebrity status in China as a crosstalk comedian and jazz musician.
0: What is your name, sir? My name is David Moser. My Chinese name is Mua Dawei. How could I don't know you? (laughs) You are so famous in this country, my goodness.
1: I think back in 1999, you made a big name, right? Household name of yourself in joining Chinese Spring Festival Gala Show. And we were going to talk about the Gala Show and Spring Festival Mm -hmm. celebrations later. Okay. But now, what is your job? I know you
0: do a lot of things, right? (laughs) but your main job. My main job right now is I am at a a program at Peking University called the Yanjing Academy. I am the associate dean, which is a very important and demanding job. Uh, It's challenging, and it's one of the most uh, exciting jobs I've ever had. It's uh, because of the privilege of working with some of the most outstanding students that I've ever met in academia.
1: Yeah. Talking about outstanding, how outstanding, and what sort of qualities people should have in order to enter
0: your academy of Yenching, right? The overall student selection process is very rigorous. It's a very competitive program. We have some of the best and brightest students from over 40 countries, usually, about 120 students or so each each cohort. They are very diverse They are very multicultural, and we also have, including the 120 also includes the 20 or so Chinese students. So it's a very lively, active, academically, multidisciplinary program that puts Chinese and foreign people together in the same classrooms and in the same environments. They're -hmm. taking a deep dive into China and learning about its past, its future, and its geopolitical engagement at all levels. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fantastic experience, not only for us, but for the students themselves who realize that this is a very rare opportunity. They're very elite students from all the world's best universities. And it is an incredible opportunity to get to know their fellow students, build deep bonds and friendship, and also to get to know China in a way that most of them would never have, an opportunity here at, in China at Peking University, taught by Peking University professors. So it's quite a unique and uh, amazing program.
1: What specific courses you are offering your students to study?
0: So we have six research areas that are sort of designed to sort of get at China at a deep level. So it's not a traditional master's program. The six areas are areas like uh, politics and international relationships, economics and management, philosophy and religion, history and archaeology, and so on. Areas of study that would be most uh, conducive to really understanding China. Is Chinese a compulsory course for foreign students studying in the academy? Yes, it is. And that is a big difference. There are programs that are similar to Yanjing, and there are also a study abroad programs that are similar. A lot of them don't have this feature of mandatory Mandarin courses. We think that's very important. We have some students, obviously, who come to China with good Chinese. But we do have students who've never spoken a word. Zero knowledge. Zero knowledge. And then you start from scratch. We start from scratch. But we what start about from Nihao? Who are the teachers? So the teachers are all come from Peking University. We do have invited professors uh, from Harvard or from different um, American or, or European universities or universities all over the world, actually. But mostly those are visiting professors. The main teachers that we have in our curriculum are all from Peking University. And of course, because it's an international program, they're all taught in English. Do they have chances to do field
1: trips to get to know the remote areas of China? China is so big and so diverse. Do they have chances to go to the poverty-stricken areas in the country? They do indeed.
0: We have very few compulsory or mandatory courses. But some of those involve actually field trips and uh, site visits. We start out with Xi'an, where they can get a good picture of both the past and the present and the future. And then as there are many grants that the students can apply for, they can apply for grant money to individual projects that they design themselves, usually in groups of two or three or four. It's a multidisciplinary program. So sometimes we have uh, students who are majoring in traditional economics, but who also are taking courses in philosophy or history, because uh, a lot of these students, they only have a one year to finish the curriculum and many students here have a basic knowledge in a certain domain and a certain expertise in China but they want to get a broader look at China itself, the culture, the people and so we actually encourage people to get out of their disciplines, to get out of their habitual ways of thinking and to sort of research China from another perspective.
1: Can you give me an example,
0: you know, which place they visited? They can go to Xinjiang, they can go to Guizhou, they can go to the south, they can go to the countryside. And when was Yanqing Academy established? So this is our fourth year. And you have been recruiting for four years already? Not me personally. This is my second year. Your uh, second year as as associate dean, right? right? That's right. And uh, in that time, we have graduated three cohorts and are about to graduate our fourth this year. And most of those uh, students have gone on already to be in embassies and think tanks and universities. And some of them have started their own companies. So we've started basically from zero, trying to attract more and more students from diverse areas. And now the competition is very great. The word is out. Most people know something about us. And we're getting an increasing amount of applicants.
1: And how many applied
0: this year? Well, we're not allowed to s- oh, say it's that. a secret. It's a secret. I know, yeah. This is a little bit like the Rhodes Scholarship in that uh, we're not adding more students, we're just adding the quality. <laughs> the quality is getting better and better. Oh. The sort of category that we've sort of created is mm-hmm. not Sinology and not really Asian studies, it's what we call China studies. So that means you're a master's student, but rather than studying a sort of a concentrated master's program in some discipline, you are basically a student who is studying China with a focus on one or the other of those areas. So you're free to take any course that you want that you think will help you boost your awareness of China in that particular area that you've studied. And so our program is sort of uniquely designed to give them- Tailor-made. Yeah, They can take this uh, array of courses and sort of select those that they think would, would be more advantageous to their future career. But
1: I wonder, you know, if I choose to learn something about AI, right mm-hmm. development in this country, does Peking University have such a curriculum available for them? Can they
0: actually join other Peking University students to learn any subject they want to learn? Yes, technically, here's the situation. The students are free to take any course in the Peking University curriculum, any department, as long as their Chinese is good enough to do it or if the course in question is taught in English. Do they have to pay tuition? No, it's a, a very, very, scholarship. very good scholarship. Fully funded round-trip plane ticket, accommodations in Beijing, free tuition.
1: Chinese food.
0: Aha uh-huh, yes well <laughs> a
1: beautiful chinese food yes, delicious yes absolutely
0: yes i'm envious you of these it. students if it, if know. this had existed back when i came in the 80s
1: just now you said the program is a one year right do you think one year is enough
0: oh of course not this gives them a chance to make a, a start in a certain direction having been giving a very realistic comprehensive vision of china which they're not going to get from most Western media. So it's a fantastic experience for them. Western universities have a very good alma mater system, which actually
1: track down Mm -hmm. all the graduates and then put them under an umbrella, which shares information, job opportunities, and even for mentors, still
0: continually taking care of Mm -hmm. their kids, I call Mm -hmm. them, do you have the same sort of system? What we are now doing is, yes, trying to keep track of these students, trying to keep them involved in the program in terms of expanding it and promoting it. Believe me, we almost don't have to do that much, although we want to make a complete... They themselves, they themselves are amazing. Networking, right? Absolutely. They, they themselves are extremely proactive. And in, in terms of uh, promoting the program, they are you know more and more just volunteering. They are the real spokesman for the program. Many are in banks. Bank. Many, yes. Financial, financial Yes. Oh. Many are with large multinational corporations. Yes. Many are in embassies, or at least heading that direction or trying to make a have a foothold there. Many have started their own companies. In fact, many have started companies prior to coming to Yenching. They are that amazing and motivated and talented. Many have formed uh, cooperations or founded companies in conjunction with you know each other with their fellow cohort. Some are, of course, in academia. We have lots of them who are now pursuing a PhD somewhere, and I know that because they're sending me they're asking me to write letters of recommendation. <laughs> so yes, academia, industry, business, you know, diplomacy, and uh, I think. It's not too much to say that for some of them, they're actually creating even new kinds of employment or money-making models that have yet to come to fruition. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens in the next few years. And yes, we are all trying to keep track of them for sure. Why Mm -hmm. you were chosen for this position? Well, I have worked actually in China for a long time, but mostly from the 80s until the the early 2000s, working at universities. Mm -hmm. So I was at Beijing Foreign Studies University teaching translation theory and uh, comparative grammar and and things like that. For the last 10 years or so, I was with a, uh, a study abroad program, an American study abroad program based in Washington, D.C., that we're bringing American college students to China to study. I don't. I have no idea how many students I've taught, but it's certainly in the many hundreds. And uh, it's been quite gratifying and fun, actually, to see a lot of the students I taught during those 10 years applying for the Nanjing program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've always told people that when people ask me what I do, I hold my head high and I say prou- everything. proudly. No, no, not everything. <laughs> uh-huh. I say proudly that I am training American or foreign students about China. Uh, because we in the foreign countries and especially the United States, we need to have an understanding of this country. I thought nothing could be more important than to sort of uh, be the first contact for these young people to give them an overview of what's important about China, what's amazing about China and why China should be in your future. That was my goal. This is something, no matter how much money I make or whatever the future of it is, this is something that's worthwhile doing it. And uh, as someone who's been here and loves the language and culture I really cherish the role of being a bridge, Mm. a bridge between those students and this country. And uh, I just love doing that. I I also love teaching the Chinese students, which I did for a decade. They were so great. But I would usually learn more from them than they learned from me (laughs) because they know a lot.
1: Peking University is not the only one in China nowadays, targeting top-notch students worldwide. The neighboring Tsinghua University, for instance, has a similar program called Schwarzman Scholars, which is also based in Beijing. These programs provide foreign students with not only scholarships, but also good opportunities to explore China firsthand. But as David says, when he first came to China back in the 1980s, there was nothing like the Yenqing Academy in the country. So why did he decide to learn Chinese and settle down here long before these programs were available? In the next episode, David Moser shares his stories about China. I'm Manling. Thank you for tuning in to our program. And if you liked it and want to listen to us again, just find us on our website, chinaplus.cri.cn and Apple Podcasts.